you want to take out your notes, I couldn't come back and not share something for a few minutes. And uh, I, I really, um, part of the reason I wanted to be back for this service, we have not done this service probably, I believe, for three or four years. And uh, because it's, you know, we, we did it like for probably four or five years in a row, and sometimes it can be, it can seem somewhat redundant, but there's a lot of new people that have come here in the last three or four years, and I really want you to understand really the foundation and, and, and the genesis from which this springs forth and, and, and why we do it. It was probably, I believe, in my sixth year here at Creekside that I really was struck with a very sense of missions-itis. Uh, I was deeply moved not only with our community, but understanding that our, our world, there's so many people out there that are, that are far from Jesus. And it not only became a personal summons to my spirit, but it became a summons to this church, that we would become more involved, more deeply uh, invested in the missions of going and giving to both of those aspects of missions. It's something that really has been forgotten uh, by, mo- by many American churches today. I believe it was also during this time, it seemed to me that if you were to plot our growth as a church, the more, the more enlarged our hearts became with not only our community mission, but missions worldwide, it seemed that our, chart, our, 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 kind of our church growth chart went the same way. And so we've been heavily invested in giving. We probably give. I'm gonna, I, I don't have the statistics. You have them if you were at the annual celebration meeting last year. But I'm sure we give away close to $100,000 to missions endeavors over the course of the year, which is probably, yeah, that's, that's really something. People often ask how much of our budget goes to it. I'm going to guesstimate. I can't remember. I've got the figures. I didn't check them out before I came up here. But I'm going to say a good 15, maybe close to 20% of our budget, of our budget and just our general giving goes toward missions or missions endeavors. While I was on holiday, though, um, I I read a couple of books. And and a couple days before I come home, I started a a third one. And it just kind of wrecked me. Because as I said, I've always kind of had this missions heart for probably the last 13, 14 years. Um, uh, but, but I started reading this book. It's, it's by Richard Stearns, who is the uh, CEO of World Vision. He wrote a book a couple of years ago, um, and it's called A Hole in the Gospel. And as I just began to read it, it just wrecked me again of how important this whole thing is. Um, <clears throat> I'm only about a third of the way through it, but it's so strong, it's possible that I may get one for each family in this church and have you read it. Because in our affluence, we forget the American church and then break that down to individuals. It is so easy to forget what the rest of the world faces. So who do we do this whole thing for? Well, we really do it for Jesus. I want to be invested in the things that Jesus was and invested in. And I have to tell you, loved ones, that's why I believe if you look at most churches, most churches that are truly committed to their community and to the world are going to be churches that are going to be growing. And I'm not talking about that's a growth program. It's just God honors that. 
Because he knows where your heart is. Your heart is where his heart is. Listen to what it says in Matthew 25. Now, this is kind of an end times passage, so I I don't want to take it out of its context. It has to do when Jesus comes back and he judges the world. And there's two camps. And he says, when he finally arrives, speaking of Jesus, blazing in beauty and all his angels are with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him. And he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep, and the goats putting sheep on his right and to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter, you are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundations. And here's the reason, he says. Here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then those sheep, they're going to say, well, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, some translations say to the, re- to the least of these, that was me. You did it to me. That's why we do this Mexico trip. Because that Jesus is saying, when you do it to them, you're doing it to me. As you know, one of my heroes, one of my favorite people in the world, the past, is Mother Teresa. She said it this way, Christ has no body on earth but yours. He has no hands but yours, no no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion for the world looks out. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And yours are the hands with which he is to bless us, the world, now. You know what that is, loved ones? That's you. That's me. That's Matthew 25. That's who we do it for. We do it for Jesus because that's his heart. Why do we do it? Well, because that's what Jesus did. Shortly after Jesus began his ministry, he returned to his hometown, Nazareth. Jesus' first public words focused on doing what? Reaching the poor. You can't study, loved ones, the Bible, and I mean from beginning to end, without seeing the place that the poor had in the Scriptures. Jesus' first public proclamation from the Scriptures comes in Luke chapter 4. What does he say? He says, God's Spirit is upon me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. He sent me to announce pardons to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burden and the battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. See, Jesus teaches and lived out compassionate living, and it goes beyond feeling. And hear me, it goes beyond something you say. But as he says here, it is how God acts. 1 John 2, 6 says this, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. 
I believe the message of Jesus, hear me, the message of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus must match. Jesus didn't say one thing and do another. His words and his works always matched. They coalesced. But it's possible to take verses of Jesus' message and ignore Jesus' ministry. And listen, I don't say this negatively. I don't say it to produce guilt. I am guilty of it. But I, as I'm thinking about this, um, I think it's just so easy that in our affluence, and some of you are sitting here and probably going, oh, oh yeah, right, I'm affluent. Oh, you are. You are more affluent. Every person in this room is more affluent than half of the world. And sometimes because we just, it's so easy and, and everything is there and we have it, it's easy to forget about the poor or to begin to believe because we've grown up in this Americano Republican Christianity and I'm not, and that's not a poll for republicanism. But, but, but it's, that's the thinking that just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And people need to do that in some cases. But there are some people that can't. And that's where Jesus, when he says, listen, I call you to reach out and to help and to minister to the poor. And in much of contemporary American Christianity, we've ignored large sections of Jesus' message and ministry. Too many think that just preaching will get it done. Can I tell you something? You study Jesus' life and you know what you'll see? More often he fed before he preached. He did before he spoke. And I'm not here to diminish the message at all. But sometimes there's doing that precedes speaking. James 1.27 says that undefiled, talks about undefiled religion is when you care for the orphans and the widows. I remember coming home from a missions board meeting this past March. And I showed you some of the pictures. And, but I spent a few hours in an orphanage. And when I'd gone to Mexico with the teams in the past, I never did that because I was always building the house. You want to talk about something that will move your heart? Go to an orphanage. We saw these people that had given up. They had this big house, and they just said, we're going to take care of the orphans because we love Christ. And our church, when I come back, I told the council, I said, listen, we've got to send them some money to help them. So we sent some money to help them. James 2 says to show favoritism to those who have over those who are poor. James condemns it, calling it a sin and, and, and the ultimate hypocrisy. Most of us in this room, loved ones, will never see the plight of a third world country. When I went to Nicaragua, there was great depth of poor in the capital city of Managua. They have people that live and raise their children in dumps there. I mean, if you want to get a breakdown of just the world today, listen to this, the Family Care Foundation noted that if we could shrink the world's population to a simple village of precisely 100 people, it would look like this. 60 Asians, 14 Africans, 12 Europeans, 8 Latin America, 5 American Canadian, 1 from the South Pacific. 51 would be male, 49 would be female. 82 would be non-white, 18 would be white. 67 would be non-Christian, 33 would be Christian. 50% of the world, uh, 50% of the entire world's wealth would be in the hands of six of those people. 70 would be unable to read. 50 would be suffering from malnutrition. 
Why do I tell you all this? Because in coming back and doing this service again today, I want people to know why we do it. It isn't just a program that we're involved in. But I'm trusting and hoping that as we do this, every so often that it will begin to enlarge your heart to see beyond where we are. These are the questions I get asked. Why go for a week? I mean, what does it really accomplish for the long haul? I mean, I just don't philosophically agree with just going in for a week and doing it and then leaving again. (laughs) You know what I'd say to that? Well, if you're that concerned, maybe you should be a missionary. (laughs) Full time. You know what I'm saying? If it's that big a deal to you, and you just can't philosophically get behind going and helping for a work, Jesus said, whatever you do in my name, you're doing it to me. People say, well, is it really worth the time, the energy, and the resources? I suppose my best response to that is ask one of the 13 people in the last 13 years that we've built a house for that lived in a shanty, a shack, and the ones I saw. I walked through the home of the people that they just built a house for this last time. I walked through their home this last March, if you want to call it that. It was just boards and siding. If you want to find out if it's really worth it, go ask one of those families that will have a home now. I think it's worth it. Because as we do it unto unto them, we do it unto Jesus. Few things, loved ones, will rock your world and your worldview more than spending a week doing what these folks did. As my hero said, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. Every one of us has a part. Not everyone can go, friends, but everybody can be involved. Some of you may be able to go, and my prayer coming home to be able to speak during this time is simply to encourage you that maybe next year some of you would be able to be involved and go and find out what it's like. Every one of us can give. We're going to receive a harvest offering the Sunday before our Thanksgiving week, uh, Thanksgiving holiday. We receive an offering. Last year, I believe it was $65,000 that we received on that Sunday. You can begin to plan now to give toward that, and part of that offering helps to send people. Jim Elliott, who lost his life as a missionary, said it this way, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I want to continue to grow, loved ones, enlarge Creekside's heart for the vision of the missions and the poor. Just in the last month, uh, I shared with Trina just while we had a lot of time to talk and just do life together 24-7. I just shared with her a couple of areas that I felt God speaking to me that are just really heavy on my heart that I, I think not only am I to be involved in especially, but I think at some point our church is going to be involved in it. And it really has to do with the underprivileged, the disenfranchised, the broken. And as as I kind of wait for the Lord to speak to me more about it, I'm going to unpack that for you in the season ahead. But he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's all about eternity, loved ones. It's all about, you know what? Everybody's going to face Jesus. He's not going to ask what you did. He's going to ask, what did you do that I asked you to do? 
What did you do that I asked you to do? I want to thank uh, Brian and Casey. Would you guys just stand? These guys have been the leaders of this team for, what, 12 or 13 years? Somewhere there. And uh, they have just done an incredible job of leading teams year after year. They're kind of taking a, uh, they're, they're going to be moving in, a, in, in August, real soon. Yeah, they're going to be moving to, to Jackson Hole, Wyoming for a year. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get them back from God's country. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we're, hopefully we'll get them back. And, uh, but they're going to go there and they're going to work out of there and do some uh, I, I, kind of like a surfer dude, except he's going to be a snowing dude, and uh, he can do his work from there. But uh, I just, th- these people deserve such recognition because they serve and led this team. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, you guys. And then I want to thank uh, Dina and Mark. Uh, would you guys stand? And they're, they're the ones that the, the baton was passed to them because they have the heart and the vision for it. So thank you, guys. Well, I want you to know why we do it, and uh, that's, I mean, I could go on, and we're going to spend some more time on this some other Sundays, but uh, I want you to hear from them this morning, and uh, one of the guys that uh, I, I told them before they left, I said, I'd really love to have him share, because it's been my joy to have kind of a courtside seat, to see him grow in his love for Christ, and um, it's just been, it's just, it's always, I always love seeing when men engage in the life of Christ, where there becomes an unabashed, unashamed, I love God, and stick in your ear if you don't like it. And um, because a lot of men, we're, we're, we're so, you know, worried about what people think or how we look. And, uh, and I, I just don't sense that from this man. And he's now gone on the missions trip, I believe, four or five years. The last, I think the last two times I went, he was a part of it. And uh, so I just want to hear from Ed. I want Ed to share just why you do this. You've been doing it now for how, tell how long you've been doing it. Why do you do this? Uh, Give me the mic to kind of exhort you about why we go to Mexico is a dangerous thing because to my mind, it's one of the most powerful things this church does every year. And they said, Brian and Casey have been doing this now for 13 or more years, and we continue to go on. This is my fifth year. Seven years ago, I walked in the door of this church. Six years ago, I became a member. Five years ago, my wife Karen and I got on a bus and went to Mexico. Now, I didn't go because, I, because God called me. I didn't have any special message. You know, I heard about this trip, and I said, hey, you know, I'm still healthy. I got some pretty rusty skills, but I got some skills. And I got the time. I can make this happen. I can try and go ahead and do this. And so we went. In three and a half days that first year, we completely transformed the life of a family of five people. We took them from a shack or whatever you want to call it and put them into a, a fairly wonderful home with a beautiful view overlooking all of Tijuana, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, that, com- that completely transformed my life from the inside out. I would say that, you know, I was going to church I thought I was kind of a person of faith, but it was kind of a Sunday thing. Well, let me tell you something. You go to Mexico. You go work with these people down there. You see the power of God working through the hands of this very, very small team, 
and you are simply amazed at the transformation you can make on the lives. So five people, five years. This year it was Esperanza, okay? She had a stroke. Her family, her three daughters, all lived in the same street. Her granddaughter, Karime, last year was down at our job site stealing our wood to take it up the street so her mother could cook. So needless to say, me and a couple other guys started hauling wood up to their house, okay, so they could, they could cook. Well, this year, we were building a house for Karime's grandmother, Esperanza. Esperanza, who had a roof that didn't keep the water out, who, when it rained, her, all of her belongings were completely soaked. And as she thanked us at the end of the job, I said, no more. You will have to deal with this no more. And it was true. This small team here brings such incredible power in the in action in their hands that it completely transformed my life literally from the inside out. And I am now extremely passionate about this. Now, I have to tell you, this year, I was extraordinarily hesitant about going and doing this again. Why? This is a very small team. There are very few capable, able-bodied people who are going to go out there and, and pound nails and, and build a house. But through prayer, and the power of prayer is just amazing to me, and, and this mission just brings it home to me over and over again. Through the power of prayer, we had three men, four men, volunteer from a church that we've partnered with called Cruising for Jesus. Four men volunteered to come help us build this house. I spent three and a half days working with a gangbanger from East L.A. who was deported, and I don't even want to tell you his whole story. It's a good story, okay? And, and with the other men as well. But they have turned their lives around through this Cruising for Jesus church, which we have now been able to partner with very closely. That church, just like this church right here, is an incredibly powerful ministry reaching out to lots of people, mostly deported, most of which speak English, and their families, which speak no English. It is an amazing, powerful ministry. In the course of this work, okay, again, short on bodies, our translator, our, our translator who was going to work with the VBS team, great big guy named Oliver from Peru, shows up, Okay, first day in flip-flops, and I have him helping me lift walls before the end of the day goes on. And Oliver is open Bible. He is there planting a church in the Tijuana area, and now we are basically bound with Oliver and hopefully with his church for years to come to kind of help and do this. What power is that? Right. What power is that? So, in addition, cruising for Jesus, bringing us four men, Oliver. We work with a little church right across the street from Paula's house that we built last year. And we're now three doors up, okay, Karime's grandma's house. We went in, and not only did we build a house, but we also, basically, with the team that we had, not mostly us because we were busy on the house, but the Cruising for Jesus guys renovated the inside of this church, put a ceiling in, painted it, reworked some air conditioning, duct, not air conditioning, duct work, okay, yeah. no air conditioning, <laughs> Uh, you know, th through this church. And that minister, who is an incredibly passionate man with his wife and their daughters, is now working a ministry in that exact neighborhood. This, all of these connections that this team has made and just bounced off, this year, to me, it seemed like it, it came together. And all of my hesitancy, all of my fears, because this old body is just getting a little old to pound nails all those times, okay, were just fulfilled, and my expectations went beyond. And if you don't believe in the power of prayer and God's work in action, in three and one-half days, three and one-half days, 19 people from Creekside touched probably, oh, with the house, oh, you know, a family, a street, a neighborhood. The, the house building is really just like the big tent in the circus. It's not even the main attraction, really, because the main attraction is when you go to VBS and you go to the orphanages. 
First day, 30 kids show up. Second day, 60 kids show up. The third day, which I had a chance to go down at the end of the day and just see what was going on, there were over 90 kids there collecting their pictures, reciting Bible verses, who were just actively, actively engaged. And I heard one boy come up to Oliver and say in Spanish, are you coming back next year? And amen, we are going to come back amen. next year. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a much good at Bible, quoting the Bible, unfortunately, but, you know, Kyle was giving us devotions every day. And one of the, the chapters he had us read was James 2. Actually, I think it was almost all of James that day. But, but James 2.14 talks about faith without deeds. And for me, and what it says is, what good does it do if you see a man and, and, and without clothes and you're not able to help him? We are called to act. And I never thought that I would be up here telling you this, but I, I, I'm telling you that we are called to act. The ministry, in my case... I, I came here, I gathered for a little while, I grew for a little while, I went. I think we have the words in the wrong order. I think we gather, we go, and then we grow. And, and I... And I will tell you that in my personal experience, in the depth of my faith, the way God has touched my heart was increased exponentially by the, my first visit, my second visit, third, fourth... And, and this, my fifth visit, when I was most hesitant, most doubtful, most reticent about going, I didn't have time for my work, I didn't have money to do this, you know, all of these things came out, all have been taken care of. And I sit at the end of this. This process, this visit that we get to go to Mexico is such a joyous affair. The missionaries we get to work with down there, joyous. We have such a good time. We, we, we have tacos every day. We eat like kings down there. You know, the neighbors make us food. You know, it, it's, it's a wonderful experience. I, I would like to exhort all of you, because I'm going to feel remiss if I don't put at least a little guilt in your hearts about coming to help us, because this team is too small to do what we did this year. We are too small. Without the power of God and the prayers being answered with people coming to help us, we would not have succeeded. We succeeded honestly, beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm going to exhort you, why do I do this? I do this because it, it refreshes my heart. It, it increases my feeling for my fellow man. The experience of dealing with Mexican people, we call them poor. In many ways, they're much richer than we are. Amen. Much, much richer than we are. And to have, to sit down, dog-tired on the back of a pickup truck and have a little eight-year-old girl come up and put her arms around my back and count to five in English to show me what she can do, you know, is, is something you carry with me. So, I would encourage you all, I do this, I love doing this, you will love doing this too, you're all healthy enough, you're all wealthy enough, and whatever skills you have, we can use. I beg you, please join us and, and feel the passion that, that we have come to know. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Did you hear what he said? His, his growth wasn't just about building a building for somebody. He learned about prayer. He saw the power of God, the work of God. And, and those are the things that promote growth. I think that's just awesome. Great, great, Ed. Thanks so much for sharing. Uh, Deanne, uh, will you share as one of the leaders? So I want to talk about the relationships. And Ed led into that so beautifully that, you know, we built a house um, and that was important, but building the relationships is what was really important. And that happens on so many levels, starting here um, with our church family. Many of you were secret amigos. You, you uh, built us up each day. You 
um, contributed in, in huge ways to um, our success, getting up every morning and reading those encouraging words and having you know, things that you didn't know you were going to need, but you did once your secret amigo gave them to you, and, and things to pass out to the children. Um, that relationship was so encouraging to us. And then we have the opportunity as a team to, if you want to get to know people, if you're new here and you say, oh, it's such a big church, I don't know many people, go to Mexico. We all know each other really well now. Um, so just great team, <laughs> great team, team bonding. Um, another relationship we build is with the staff at Puente de Amistad. Mike and Kathy Brandt are just in- incredible and passionate about what they do. Uh, Marcial is the most patient man on the planet. Well, Dustin was close, but um, but with helping us uh, build the home and guiding people every step of the way in if they needed instruction or needed help finding something. And um, Amalia at the base cooks for us and just such a sweet uh, Mexican woman and um, kept us all well-fed. Um, we also developed relationships with the whole community. This neighborhood is our neighborhood. Um, two years in a row in the same place, the relationships are, are stronger. Um, it is our intent and uh, the intent at Pointe de Amistad that this will be where we continue to work as long as um, God continues to lead us in, in that direction. Um, and I want to talk to, 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 about the family, but I need to follow up with Ed's talking about our cruising for Jesus, guys. The cruisers. Um, you know, Mark and I, many of you were approached by us saying, we really need you. Can you go? And, you know, we can help with this. And people were filling out paperwork and starting to raise money. And at least five times something fell through where the person was not able to come. And we're talking people who could really help with construction. And we weren't worried because we knew if God wanted this house built, it would get built. But we thought, okay, we thought God brought this person into our, you know, into our group. And when, you know, Kathy and Mike said they'd arrange with the cruisers to, you know, send some guys. Now, these are guys who, you know, have been in rehab and mainly been deported and have um, a colorful past. Um, <laughs> but one of them, that, you know, the, who Ed had worked with a lot, I also worked with. And I, I call him my new best friend, Umer. And um, truly... If I had seen this guy on the streets here, I would have crossed the sidewalk, crossed to the sidewalk on the other side of the street. Um, you know, he led a hard life. There was gang activity, you know, covered in twos, a lot of them, you know, prison-related, you know, drugs. He'd been deported. But he has turned his life around, and he volunteered so much time. Then we'd see him at night at church. He was our security when we fed the homeless at the border, um, you know, he's, he's part of our family now. And we learned from having those cruisers. You know, we knew that there was something we would have to offer them and they would have to offer that us that made it such that we needed them. And we really learned from him. You could see him be Jesus to others. Um, it just really opened, opened my eyes to not look at what was on the surface, but to really see his heart. And, uh, you know, this, this guy will, li- I hope, you know, we see him again next year. He really, really is a, a special to many of us. Um, but I need to talk a little more about the family and those relationships. Um, Ed touched on it a lot with Karemi. I mean, she was the one everybody remembered from last year. Um, 
But there was another older girl, Lupe, who made friends with Anna, and she was much more reserved and around the fringes, didn't really participate in the VBS, but kind of, you know, on the outside. But Anna has been taking Spanish and was fluent enough that they became friends in Spanish. Um, This friendship continued on Facebook over this past year. And when Pastor Terry came back from his trip in March and we saw the slides on the screen, it's like, that's Lupe. So Lupe is the daughter of Esperanza, who was selected to um, build the house for. So, you know, just so many places where God's hand was on, the, who, who was going on the team, who was going to build the house, and who we were building, to, building for. Um, and then, of course, finding out that Kareme was, uh, her granddaughter, was exciting as well. But uh, last year, uh, Albany really had fun playing with Kareme, and so then she got to go back and see her this year. And I want her to tell uh, about how she got to play with Kareme and the other kids in the neighborhood, and then Anna's going to uh, tell about her uh, ongoing relationship with Lupe. I like playing with some of the kids, mostly Kareme, because... Uh, my friends and I, we got to teach her how to count to ten in English. Mm-hmm. And I hope we can teach her more um, next year if we come. And I like playing with some of the kids at the orphanage and singing songs with them. And I like playing with Lupe and all the games that we got to play. Uh, This year, I became even closer friends with Lupe. We hung out as much as we could. We were like sisters. And she even came and helped with painting the church while I was painting. She liked watching me. And then Umar told me that, or Eddie told me that she wanted to try it. So she went and tried it, and she painted for a while. And she was a little more not as open to meeting everybody last year, but this year she just became really friendly. And by the end of the trip, she was, like, having everybody sign her pants and <laughs> and uh, hugged everybody as we were leaving. But um, she told me she wasn't much of a believer last year, but this year she even came to Cruising for Jesus on Wednesday night, even though she didn't really want to go. She said her family kind of drug her along. But by um, Thursday, she came around the house and prayed and during the dedication and even went to the church dedication and prayed there and that was just one of the best days I think. It was the fun last day and it was just by the end of the trip we were like family. After that I was chatting with her on Facebook the next day and she told me she wants to come visit and was praying that God would let her get her visa but she knew that it was in God's hand. God's hands, and would have to wait to see what he would do. And then I just have to follow up with, Anna came home, we got home yesterday afternoon, and uh, this was her Facebook post. Back home from a truly amazing time serving God in Tijuana, but it feels bittersweet. I would have so loved to stay down there longer because I just love the family we, we built the house for so much. Lupe especially, because now she's like a sister to me as well as a sister in Christ, and I love her a lot. I know God worked in both our lives and has unbelievable plans for us in the future. I'll definitely need patience this upcoming year, just waiting to go back again. 
Um, uh, Dorsey, this is your first time to go, correct? Yes. Tell us about what it was like to be there down there at Puente de Amistad in Tijuana. Okay, so my first mission trip was when I was in high school, and it was sleeping in tents, and it was paying 50 cents to shower with the locals uh, in Tijuana. And uh, it was messy, dirty, and eating out of a, you know, truck and whatever, and so it was just not okay. So then Mark, <laughs> Mark, this is Mark's third year, and he went, and then he took Rachel last year. We convinced her to go, and she's like, well, I don't want to, and I don't want to go without you and whatever, and she did great, and she came home, and I'm like, how was it? And of course, you know, she's like, yeah, it was fine. So it <laughs> didn't get a whole lot of information, but through the next six months, she seemed to talk more about Mexico than um, Disney World. And I'm like, I think you liked it more than you think. And she's like, I think I did. So then Mark says, okay, I want you all to go. And I'm like, oh, I don't think so. So you can ask the team. I'm like Wendy Weiner. You know, I'm like, it's hot. I'm hungry. When are we going to, you know, whatever. So my whole thing was, I don't like being out of my comfort zone. I just went to Hawaii. I don't even think I like traveling to Hawaii. Okay. It's like, uh. so like going to Mexico in a bus and the heat and everything. So what happens? <laughs> the AC goes out. Okay. We're like, what, five hours into it? You know, everything's good. We're cruising on the bus and then bam. What? So what did I do? I kicked uh, Dylan out of the bus, out of Mark's truck and got in the AC truck. So, because my husband was driving. So anyway, I was really worried about like food, bathrooms, uh, beds. Are you sure they have sheets and blankets? Maybe I should bring a sleeping bag. I don't know. You know, and like, do I bring my own towels? Do I have to bring my own towels? What kind of towels do they have? You know, it's like, <laughs> so anyway, I was really worried about it. So first the bus ride was awesome. It's totally comfortable. Everybody's sleeping. You're stopping to get food like all the time. You're like, Oh my gosh, do we really have to eat again? I mean, it was kind of ridiculous. So we get there, and it's like, oh, it's, so first of all, Tijuana has totally changed since I've been there 25 years ago. I mean, it's like a huge throwaway through. It's like, it's all nice and built up, and then you get out there, and, and you know, there's nicer homes, and then the shacks and, and whatnot, but you're driving through, and there's all kinds of stores, and there's even like a Walmart, and Sam's, and, you know, Burger King, and all that. So anyway, we get to our place, and it's really nice. It's like this, I mean, I would call it a hotel. It's, um, it was our base, and it has a gate. Most places have the gates and stuff. And so anyway, we drive into the gate. We go in, and there's Chimbu, the dog, and he's the protector. And the girls were, like, riding him like he was a horse. I mean, he was a pretty big dog. And anyway, that was a, a big plus. You know, Rachel had been talking about Chimbu, 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 and then Reese goes, and she's like, oh. Okay, so it was really exciting. And so, well, that was one of the things that everybody that comes back from Mexico, they always have these things that they talk about. And you're like, what are they talking about? Okay, I'm so in on the things now, you know? <laughs> There's a ton of inside jokes. I won't even say them because they won't even be funny to you, but it's like all of us are cracking up. And um, no, I'm not going to say <laughs> So, I mean, there was just a lot of the the whole relationship thing, I was worried about the kids, like, oh, what if they get sick? You know, you can't drink the water. There is so much water. 
I mean, we have water bottles. Everybody has their personal bottle. You've got, you know, cases of bottled, bottled water. And then there's, you know, the big jugs, you know, in the bathroom so that you can brush your teeth and everything. Just don't open your mouth in the shower and you're good. And nobody got sick, and which was um, amazing. But it's not that amazing because you really, you know, it's, it's all provided for you. I mean, it was awesome. And the food, oh. Amalia is such a good cook. She was like our own Mrs. Garrett. I mean, it was like she was cooking and and she was so sweet, just this little Mexican woman, and, and she was always just just absolutely lovely. And the food was great. I mean, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they'd pack you lunch, you'd take it um, with you, and it was like roll-ups and sandwiches and everything, and it was just, I, I mean, awesome. You couldn't, I did not starve. I thought I'd lose weight. I think I gained weight. I, you know, and they're like, oh, you sweat it out, and you're just, you know, you're never hungry, you're just sweating and heated, and you are. And I was so worried about the bathrooms because when you're on site, okay, at home they have flushables, okay, and you're like, that's cool. Okay, on site, it is the weirdest thing. You like take you a bucket of water and dump it down the toilet when you're done, and you put your stuff in a garbage can. You're like, really? Okay, so I didn't have to do that. They were absolutely right. You're sweating, you're working, and you're drinking water, and you're like, I don't even have to go. So it was a non-issue. All of those, and I only say this because nobody wants to talk about it but me, that, you know, (laughs) it's an issue. But it wasn't an issue. So any of you have the same issue, it's not an issue. It's a non-issue. And so, and then with the food, it's like, let's stop for tacos. Tacos again? But, oh my gosh, the tacos. Really awesome. So then we had a family come and make tacos at the base. And they came in with shrimp and, and um, I don't know, some sort of white fish. Oh, I was going to talk about the marlin. And the marlin. And I'm like, I do not eat seafood, okay? I'm fish sticks. Okay, fish sticks and tuna in a can. Like the worst kind of fish. Okay, so they come with the marlin. I'm like, all right, I'm going to taste the marlin because I had Mark's striped marlin in Hawaii. And it was really good. I'd never order it, but a couple bites and we're good. I couldn't eat a whole thing, right? I had the Marlin fish taco. It tasted like bacon, okay? It was a bacon taco. It was so awesome. Oh, my gosh. It was the bomb. My kids, Rachel had two fish tacos. I'm like, you don't eat those at home. I mean, it was, it was amazing. So, okay, back to my kids. I had both my kids there. So that was a little stressful. I had to make sure that they were showering, don't drink the water and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we got a bunch of moms on the team and everybody kind of takes care of everybody else. And, you know, um, even Dylan. And, you know, so anyway, (laughs) um, as the team, I was nervous about that too. You know, you're in close quarters. It's like dormitory rooms. It's totally awesome. There's plenty of showers. There's like secret places like in the place. I mean, it's really awesome. It's a two-story thing. There's all rooms and colors. You know, they're called the rojo room and the cafe room. And, you know, I'm in the yellow room, you know. And so anyway, there was bunks. And, um, but, oh my gosh, the mattresses were all like dream mattresses, you know? I mean, like, it was awesome. And the blankets and sheets and everything was clean and you could get new towels if you wanted them. I mean, there was a whole room of like linens. I mean, it was really awesome. So anyway, again, if it's your issue, it's a non-issue. So anyway, 
So the relationship, so here we are all on a bus and we're on a truck and we're just kind of like, mm, and you know, you, you know people because you know their faces, you've seen them at church, you know them, some you know really well, I know my husband really well. So then you meet these people and you start talking and you could go way deep like back when you were a child or you could just talk like now and you could talk about Mexico and whatever, but you learn to trust them because you have to rely on them. I mean, if you faint, who's going to be there to take care of you? Okay, we did have one fainter. It was the first day. Again, a non-issue. It was just Dylan. Okay, so anyway, not to name names. Anyway, (laughs) I had to with all those pictures you took. Anyway, the relationships were amazing. You sat in different places on the bus. And the conversations we had and just getting to know people. And it was just a really beautiful thing. It was... It was awesome, and I'm in the in crowd now. I know all the in jokes and all the people that you meet there, and it's like, oh, that person. Oh, yeah, Dustin was amazing because he's like Higante down there, okay? He's totally giant man. And you saw a picture of him and Oliver. That was Oliver. They were the awesomest tag team, okay? Two big old guys and, like, the whole, and then in Spanish, I mean, it was... It was so amazing, and the kids were just like, it was awesome. Go, go, go. There is no issues. And I just want to say thanks for clarifying all of those issues. You might be braver than I am publicly. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. Thanks, Marcy. Kyle, our intern, done a great job this summer. How, do you, how did you see God working in the community there? Okay, well, first of all, I'm going to stand up because I don't want Ed to be the only one that did that. Secondly, I can, I can just start, start by saying off that I feel I've, I've, my body has gone on the Mexico mission trip four times. Uh, I missed last year because I was working over the summer. But this is the first year that I have gone since I've been saved. So I actually I saw God working in a different light. Because I actually saw him. I actually acknowledged him. As, as they have gone over, the community there, they show so much love for each other. They show so much support. You know, you got the house. You got three doors down across the street. You got the church. You, got, you go down 20 feet and then take a left. You go down two blocks and you got VBS. We're all physically so close throughout the week, even if we don't want to be, that it's so easy to build relationships, not only with each other, but with the community and see the community's relationship with each other. There's just so much support. The Cruising for Jesus guys were absolutely amazing. Me and Dustin got called bad by this guy whose story is crazy, and so we feel really cool about that. <laughs> absolutely, the love that they show for us, the patience that... Um, they have for one another and uh, just the gratitude. We go to VBS and by the second or third day, we're unloading the bus, lots of heavy stuff, you know, me up there, my muscles trying to be all tough. And all these kids would come up to us at the back of the bus and just say, like, can we help you unload this? And it wasn't like the help, like, oh, can we help you so we get in this? They genuinely wanted to help us set up so they could learn, so they could play, so they could, they could interact with each other, interact with us in this environment at this park that was just amazing. You know, back at the work site, I was only there the first day. I planned on being there all three days, but then I got sucked into the VBS because I love hanging out with Dustin. And it, it, was, it was awesome. You had neighborhood kids coming the first day to help, help my mom and help the painting team paint. Um, it, it was absolutely amazing. 
I cannot stress enough the love that these people showed for each other. Saved or not, whether they knew God or not, they loved each other. They were committed to helping each other. And I, I absolutely, hands down believe that the church there, that, the past, that we're helping the pastor you know, get started so he can plant seeds in the community, I absolutely believe that that church at that spot is going to affect so many people for God. So many people. And not only the community in Mexico, but we build relationships with each other. I mean, Dustin's my, one of my bosses, one of the many I have here. But over this trip, he's also become my friend. And we were acquaintances before. We could throw jokes back and forth. But we really bonded, Dustin, myself, and Mark, over making fun of my sister. In the most Christ-like way possible, of course. And... I just got to say that I, I love these guys. They have such a great sense of humor, but they also have the discipline to get what needs to be done, done. And I also am just really thankful that my mom and Mark were able to lead this. And I saw in the last couple of days, you know, points being pushed um, to the max. So by the end of the trip, I just told Mark, and we were talking about it. I'm like, Mark, go get a hotel room. Just kind of sit there by yourself and just, just talk to no one. Just relax. Just relax. I'm really blessed with my mom. Uh, pushed me to come this year, and honestly, I was kind of forced to go because I'm the intern, but I, I, I am so thankful for that, too. You know, I, the people on this trip, the people there, they, they love Jesus, and they're willing to reach out of their comfort zones to go plant seeds for God so God can harvest, so he can grow them, and he can bring out mature Christians. And so just, just being around these people all week, especially Dorsey, who is my rant buddy, it was a blessing in itself, and I may not always have wanted to be there, but I'm glad I was, absolutely. And just the last little story is when all these people went to cruising for Jesus, I, I went up to mom, I'm like, mom, I'm not feeling so well. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a little something coming on here. So she let me stay back at the base. And to prove how great the relationships are, it's like 930. We're supposed to go out for ice cream after, but I forgot about that. So I'm looking at the clock, I'm like, where are they? I'm like... I bet they're at the ice cream place right around the corner. So I end up talking to Mike, and him and the family we're building the house for, they drove me to the ice cream place, and these guys are just getting in the bus to leave because they already got ice cream, and then we roll up out of nowhere. I'm like, hey, guys, where's my ice cream? So it was just, it was magical seeing God work in our lives, God work in their lives, and God using us as tools to affect uh, his kingdom. It's amazing when you're younger how quickly you can recover <laughs> to have some ice cream. And if you had the ice cream down there, listen, the coconut cream I, is phenomenal. So I, I, I understand why you, you recovered <laughs> so quickly. Hey, Brian, you weren't the leader this year. You kind of got to go as a participant. Share just maybe a God moment uh, that you had. Well, yeah, it was, it was another joy, as it always is, to go down there to Mexico and serve and hang out with the people and the bonding with the dudes and, you know, making fun of each other on the job site is always fun. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just an awesome experience. Um, not leading this year was great in the fact that I didn't have to bark any orders. Um, the only orders I barked was, driver, pull over to tacos. You know? <laughs> and we, I think we ate tacos, I think, every day. So I was pretty stoked about that. Um, you know uh, during the trip, I don't think I had necessarily any God moments, but I've been thinking about them since. Um, everybody's talked about Umar 
and I talk with Umar tons, you know, throughout every single day. Again, like Deanne said, if you saw the guy, you probably wouldn't want to meet him. You know, he's tatted from the head to the top of his scalp to his toes. Um, you know, when I first saw the teardrop on the side of his face, many of you know probably what that is, that he had killed somebody when he was 16. Um, but he's a Syrian. The guy's from Syria. His family lives on the border of Syria and Iraq. And he grew up in East L.A. Um, in gangs, his, growing up with the Mexicans and, um, you know, all the different gangs. But, um, you know, and he talked about all the prisons. He talked about prison life. He told me about all the different hierarchy in prisons. I learned all about that, just in case. No, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but just to think about that guy's life and how God transformed that guy, um, you know, and used his, his rough life and the fact that he got deported for um, his, his final offense. And now... He found Jesus, probably, right? I don't know exactly how he found the Lord, but he's been with the Lord about a year now. And um, we had a blast together. I mean, he was just like one of our homeboys, you know, the whole time. You know, we were joking with him. We were ripping on him, you know, making fun of him as much as we could. And he, he took it, you know, and he was making fun of me. And, um, but that Jesus, you know, transformed him. You know, it doesn't matter. The outside doesn't matter whatsoever, um, and Umar was one of those guys where you tell him to jump, and he's like, how high? I said, hey, Umar, come here. And he would run every single time. He'd run over to you to find out how he can help. And, um, you know, thinking about the, the Cruising for Jesus church, it almost looked like, it's like the Mexican mafia uh, of Christian churches. <laughs> I mean, really, when you go in there, it's like, you know, um, it looks like the mafia is kind of hanging out, and then when you're inside, they're who you're hanging out with, but they're all loving Jesus. It was so, so cool. So, I mean, there's tons of different stories I can share with you. Um, but, you know, people, if you, if, for those people, prayer warriors are out there, pray for Rodrigo and for Veronica, which are the, the, one of the daughters of the mother that we built the house for, because they don't know the Lord yet, Rodrigo and Veronica. And, of course, Esperanza, the mom that doesn't know the Lord, and Lupe. So that's like the core people that, um, you know, we were really reaching out to um, that, are, that have this house. And, you know, the sister, the daughter, Veronica, you know, referenced God during the letter that she uh, wrote and spoke, how thankful that she was about um, the house being built for her mom. And um, so, you know, we definitely planted seeds with them. Um, I don't have too much time, but Rodrigo is definitely a guy that I'm going to be praying for and hopefully looking up on Facebook if I, if I can find him on Facebook. But uh, he was another deportee that, you know, was, he was a drug dealer all of his life, and then he got deported because he got caught. But, um, you know, he really loved enjoying having people hang out with him and talk with him. And, but but uh, we brought him to the Cruising for Jesus Church and planted the seed with him. So please pray for Rodrigo. Casey, uh, you want to share on uh, the orphanage, right? Yeah. yeah. So we went into this orphanage. Um, we had been to this orphanage last year because it's near the neighborhood. So again, we wanted to kind of keep in the neighborhood. Um, we hadn't been um, to that orphanage before. There's so many there. Um, but this one's a little bit different because the people who run the orphanage, I don't know what they do different, but the kids are genuinely happy they're well taken care of. Um, as I said in last service, a lot of times it's very hard to look them in the eye because there's so much pain and hurt and sickness. 
um, in a lot of these kids in the orphanage, but this one is not like that at all. The kids are wonderful. Um, when we come walking up to the gate, they all run up and they grab your hand and they, they bring you in, you know, to have fun with them. We got to go up and play soccer. There's a soccer field right next to the orphanage. And it's this beautiful, humongous soccer field. It must be like for tournaments or something. It's beautiful uh, for their standards. But then the kids wanted us to go even higher to this other soccer field. So we went up because it had a playground and stuff. But the kid, you know, everybody was playing up there and it was really fun. You know, they love the face painting, as you saw in the pictures and the bubbles. They just, they just want to be with you. But it was funny. Dustin had this big VBS program and we were going to teach him John three sixteen, <laughs> And we go to start telling it and they all recited it by memory because these gentlemen, there was actually the two main caregivers were men, which is wonderful because they had such a great fatherly influence, which is so rare, you know, and these guys just passionately loved these kids and took care of them. There were women there too, but they were the main guys. The one guy held around a toddler the whole time because if he separated from him, he'd cry. And then the other guy would play his guitar and the kids would sing music and stuff. So it was just a beautiful thing that they shared Jesus with these kids you know, and then there was another gentleman that had come in and lives, I guess, in the San Diego area and has felt called to go into these orphanages and provide all the school supplies for these kids so that they can go to school. So the last day that we were there, he had this huge table set up and the kids would go through the line, grab a backpack first and then stuff it down the line with their school supplies. So it was a really, really awesome thing. And Dusty, share on VBS. Uh, first off, can I get those four girls right there to stand up? They were my skit team for VBS. They were phenomenal. They were so good. But, yeah, um, Ed touched on it first. The first day we were there, and I was hearing all these stories about how many kids just flocked to VBS. So we're I'm getting ready and gearing up. And our first day there, we had like 35 kids. So personally, I was a little bummed. I was like, okay, 35 kids. I was expecting a lot more. Um, and I think your numbers were low because the next day, Kyle and I were like, I think we tripled our number. We had so many kids. And then the last day when Ed came down, he said, I counted 90-something kids. Well, yeah, well, we've made 120 juices, and they're gone. <laughs> they were just the kids got in line and took them. So we had so many kids come. And I, I was truly blessed just by seeing the opportunity to, to, to teach and talk to these kids. Um, I hate soccer. With a passion, I hate soccer, but I had so much fun playing soccer with these kids. Six-year-olds were dancing around me on the soccer field. And we'd get up there, and our second day of VBS, so we're getting ready to do all this stuff, and Dorsey's down there going, Dad, Dad, it's time to start the lesson. I'm like, I'm only down by five. Hold on. I'm trying to get the soccer game going. And it only got worse. We never came back from that one. But but it it was great to see these kids. I honestly think, even if we didn't do VBS, um, you know, we did, and the crafts were great, but even if we just showed up just to play with these kids, just to say, hey, we're here to have fun with you guys, uh, it'll melt your heart. Um, they, they honestly just wanted to hang out. To look them in the eyes and say, hey, I love you, and play just was, was awesome. At the end of the week, there was one kid there, uh, Justin was his name, so I bonded with him because he's almost had the most perfect name in the world. But um, he, he also spoke English really, really well. So he, he became my buddy. He was helping me communicate to a lot of the kids with some other things. And he was on the other soccer team that destroyed mine every week or every day. But at the end of the week, I had a soccer ball. And so I called him over and I said, hey, Justin, I'm going to give you this ball. And it was when kids are finishing their crafts. And he looked at me. He goes, what? 
And I said, this soccer ball is for you. And he almost started to cry. And for me, it's like, this is a $5 soccer ball. And it meant the world to him that we gave him the soccer ball. And um, then all the other kids went, yo, yo, yo. I was like, no mas pelotas. Lo siento, no mas. And I had no more soccer balls. But um, it was, it was a, I hadn't, the last time I went to Mexico on a mission trip was with Brian and Casey's very first one 13 years ago. It was a long time, but this was, it was incredible to see these kids just be receptive and just to play was, it was incredible. Amen. That's great. And yeah. I just want to say thank you for everybody who donated soccer uniforms. As you saw from the pictures, you know, we love to outfit them before we play with them. And uh, we collect them all year long. Some people may not even know that we collect them, but we outfit them. And as you saw from the pictures, they come to VBS in their soccer uniform. And you looked over the neighborhood, and all you could see was soccer uniforms because everybody wanted to wear the clothes that we gave them. So that was a nice reminder of who we touched because everywhere you looked, you could see these kids in these, you know, Walnut Creek or, you know, AYSO (laughs) soccer uniforms. So. That's great. Well, let's hear from our other leader as he concludes uh, just sharing about the trip. All right. Uh, first, I want to thank Brian and Casey for uh, forcing Deanne and I to take over. <laughs> um, they obviously saw something uh, in us that we didn't see. So thank you. thought I wasn't going to get emotional again. <laughs> um, I want to thank Pastor Terry for the support that he's given us um, in obviously in the past years and the vision that he's had. Uh, I want to thank uh, all you guys for donating the Harvest Festival or Harvest Offering and and um, everything else as well. Uh, Secret Amigos and 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 your prayers, especially your prayers, you know, because without without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do this every year. Um, Uh, why do I do this? I do this because um, I, I truly feel that God put it on my heart, gave me a love for these people. And, uh, you know, I wanted to go for a few years and I just couldn't do it. And then finally one year I said, I'm, no matter what, I'm going to do it. And, and actually that year was, was, uh, was pretty hard on us because, you know, if, if I don't work, I don't make any money. And I had been out of work for almost two years and, it was like I said, I'm going to do this, God, so make the money come, and, and it did. You guys supported me. And uh, so, you know, it changed my life. It really did. And I, the vision that I have, I just I, I want to follow Pastor Terry's vision. His vision is to reach the community, and um, he's been doing it for more than 20 years here, and we have a relationship here in, in this city uh, for the, you know, he's got such a heart. And so I wanted to take that vision and take it to Mexico in the area that we're in. And we actually got to go to the same, same area at two doors up or three doors up and build a re- We want to build a relationship with all these people. Um, we, we had somebody that on our team that was just overwhelmed because she didn't know how she could, you know, there's so many people in need down there. And she's like, I want to be able to help them all. I want to give them food, drink, and all this stuff. Um, but what God showed me was 
if you only reach one person, if we reach one person in all this time, just one person, we did it for God. And I truly believe that we're reaching more than one person. We're reaching that community. And I've already talked to the, the contractor down there, Marciel, who helps us build every year. Um, and he's got three, three families already for next year that he wants, he wants to do. So we need at least 40 people. We didn't, <laughs> 60 be nice, but, you know, 40, 40. Uh, there's 19 of us that went down, and God did some amazing things. He really did. And half of them are kids, and really only four of them are qualified to really build. They have the experience. The other ones are not Dustin. <laughs> but, but you know what? It's not about your skill. It's not, it's not about us building a house. It's about us building relationships with this community. We got to go into the church. I know I'm going long. Sorry. We got to go into the church and with money from the harvest offering, we got to put in a new toilet for them. We did sheetrock. This is in a church. We did uh, some type of ventilation system. You know, um, and it wasn't just us. It was you guys. You guys helped with that. So I, I just want to say thank you. Um, what I was going to say is you don't need skills. All you need is a heart and a passport. <laughs> That's yours. Yeah, be prepared. Oh, Amen. Oh, one, one more thing. Um, sorry. It's like a preacher. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> uh, I really don't like speaking in front of people, but, but th- this is the passion I have. This is the passion. This is my passion. This is obviously a ministry that God's given to me, and I want to see it expand. But <clears throat> we're, we're standing, we're driving in line to get, you know, to go over the border. And the thing that, yeah, I'm bringing this up. Kyle, we see this guy, and he's, he's got crutches. And he's got a foot dangling because his, it's deformed. And I said, I said, you know, we were talking about how God can move and can change people's lives. And so I, I challenged Kyle to pray for the guy. And he's like, I'll do it, but you got to come with me. So we're standing out there, and I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Between cars. All in line. Between cars. I mean, we got cars on both sides of us, and Kyle is praying over this man. He doesn't, the guy doesn't speak English, but he's just kind of smiling. We're just praying over him, you know, and it was that right there, watching Kyle grow and, and seeing him, like he said, the previous years, he, he wasn't there. He was there to be there, but he wasn't there for God. And this year it was like, that's God moving. That's how God works. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? It's an old children's song, but I think it's a good adult people song. Some of you may remember it. It says, Jesus loves the little children of the world, all the children of the world, red, yellow, black, brown, white. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I think it's probably more apropos that we embrace that as a church to never forget that Jesus loves the people of the world, all the people, red and yellow, black, brown, white. And... Um, and sometimes it's just easy to get cocooned into our setting and situation. And I want to continually push it. I want to continually challenge us 
that we don't have a hole in our gospel where we become just content and satisfied to minister to the people around us that look like us and can be with us, but that we make sure that we're always enlarging our vision and our heart for God wants to, what God wants to do here, out there, into all parts of the world. Amen? Would you, would you sign on for that? Be a part of that? Let's pray and ask God to do that. Would you just take hands there with the person next to you, and let's agree together and see what God can do in this next year. Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' strong name, the name that's above every name. It's that name that we have put as the banner over not only this church, but us individually, so that we would be people committed to the things that Jesus is committed to. Allow our walk to always be aligned with our message. Allow our walk and talk to be the same. That, Lord, we would do what you did, that we wouldn't forget about the blind, the broken, the poor, the disenfranchised, the marginalized. And, Lord, uh, while we want to do the up-and-comers, we want to make sure we never forget about down-and-outers. And I pray, Lord, that you would just continually enlarge our heart. Thank you for this team. I thank you, Lord, so much for the Makuis that really established this vision a number of years ago and, and have continued and passed the baton to Mark and Deanne. And then, Lord, these people that have shared today and that went this week. I pray, Lord, that really next year, baseline, bottom line, we get at least 40 people that say, sign me up. I need to go make a difference, and I need to give. You don't call us, Lord, to just simply submit to you. Call us to sacrifice so that we can be difference makers in this world. For that, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' strong name, everybody said, amen. 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 Your love. God bless you. Thank you, Mexico team. Did a great job. Love you guys. Thanks for representing Jesus and Creekside. Have a great week.